Folks, this is the Just Baseball Show. Today is Thursday, May 19th. I'm Jack McMullen. Peter Apple is not with me at the moment because we're doing something just a teensy bit different today. You heard the mailbag from Arm and Peter yesterday. Uh, we've got two quote-unquote interviews today. I talked to one of our writers at Just Baseball, Clay Snowden, about his obsession with bad baseball uh, and watching a lot of the worst teams in baseball and lots of the least intriguing teams in baseball and why he likes doing it some of his background as a baseball person and what his setup to watch baseball on a nightly basis and on a weekly basis looks like because it is uh, I think unparalleled and it is unmatched by anybody among baseball fandom Peter then takes a more traditional route. He talks MLB mock draft, which is a very unique perspective that you can get from Ryan Miller, who's another writer at Just Baseball. He's got MLB mock draft 2.0 out now. You can find that at JustBaseball.com. So I talked to Clay Snowden, one of our writers at JustBaseball.com, about his obsession with bad baseball and his setup to watch baseball. And then Peter talks with Ryan Miller about the MLB mock draft. First, it's me and Clay Peter and Ryan are after that, and uh, why don't we waste no more time? Let's get into it. I am so fascinated by one of our writers for JustBaseball.com, Clay Snowden. Uh, I went to visit Clay in Lexington, Kentucky a couple weeks back. I had an absolute blast going to see the horses at Keeneland with Clay, Uh, but he told me a couple of things that I said, you know what? We've got to get the podcast audience involved in here. Clay likes bad teams. He watches bad teams all the time, and I got to know why the hell he does that. Uh, Clay, before we get going, is this a cry for help? Because we can end the conversation right now if you want. No, it's it's not a cry for help. Um, but I, I don't know what it is. I, I guess I'll wait and see where, where the conversation takes us because I got to be careful. I don't want people to think I'm a psychopath. Yeah, no, I understand. So y- you originally came on as you know the Reds guy right you were previously with Locked On Reds I mean you've been a Reds fan your whole life you grew up in Louisville which has been the AAA affiliate of the Reds for quite some time now Um, you've been around them the Reds are obviously the gold standard of bad baseball right now Um, even though I think the Washington Nationals are the gold standard of bad baseball at the moment Um, but all of a sudden this expanded to like I want to write an article about Paul Blackburn at the moment because he's the best pitcher on a team that has zero interest in competing. And we'll text and you'll send me like the defensive alignment for Oakland playing Detroit that night. And you're like, I can't wait for this one. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, there's better games on right now. Or you know what? You can turn it off and go watch a movie. Um, What makes you gravitate towards these teams that just have zero identity and zero will to compete right now. Yeah. Watching the Reds my, my entire life really made me understand what bad baseball is. If anybody knows it, it's me. 
Um, I think one of the things I'm most fascinated with is roster construction and prospects. And when I started playing fantasy baseball, I realized an edge in fantasy baseball is understanding who are the good players on the bad teams. Okay. And next thing you know, I'm watching the Arizona Diamondbacks at 1 a.m. local time because I've just got to see if, you know, Paven Smith gets that extra at bat or something. And it turned into me just being fascinated with the idea of where the teams are going, where they're headed to, who's going to be on the next good team for these bad teams. Now, granted, some teams you watch, not to, you know, shit on the Pirates, but they may not have that, you know, the players you're watching may never be on that competitive team. I don't think that's the case for this Pirates team. And next thing you know, I'm just fascinated with rebuilding teams as you can see, I have my Rockies hat on. Yeah. I love the direction that they're going. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, I was just watching Kyle Freeland get two. You know, he he shut down in the sixth inning, got out of the jam, and they're still alive. But um, so, just to clarify, I do watch almost every game every night. I have a, yeah. a setup that allows me to do that. Um, so it's not like I'm sacrificing, you know, the good Giants, the Dodgers to right. watch. Baltimore, Oakland. Right. That makes sense. Um, I, I want to walk through your setup uh, a little bit later on, but staying on the whole bad teams thing, I, I understand the intrigue there. And I understand the idea of which players were totally under the radar and not considered part of the future that are playing themselves into the future for this team, right? Like the Cubs at the end of last year, when they dumped everybody, people looked at Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom and Rafael Ortega as guys that did not factor into the future whatsoever that might've been playing themselves into opportunities for the future. Does that intrigue you? Or is it for the most part, like you'll tune in once every 10 minutes to see Spencer Torkelson get in at bat for Detroit. Oh no. I watched the entire game. First pitch to last pitch. There is no just tuning in um, because that, that, you know, if you, if you're going to be dedicated to bad baseball yeah, here at bad baseball banter, AKA just baseball. Yeah. You have to watch the whole game. But yeah, I'm I'm usually not too intrigued with those types of players who are 30 years old and like it's a flash in the pan. It's more of a like I cannot stop watching Alec Thomas play. Like okay. I just love watching him play. And there's other players, you know, if they're young enough that they can factor in. Like Frank Schwindel's not going to be, you know, I've seen enough of him in his career to know what he actually is. Great second half last season. Not exactly somebody who's going to play it, but it's also interesting because I love roster construction when it comes to trade deadline. Yeah, I have a really good grasp on exactly who's going to be available or who's playing well. And um, I feel like that gives me an edge when it comes to, you know, what team should target. A hundred percent. Who are your favorite guys to watch right now on the worst teams in baseball and Arizona? Are they still above 500 at the moment? Um, no, they've lost three in a row to the Dodgers, I believe, including a doubleheader yesterday, the first scheduled du- doubleheader at Dodger Stadium since the 80s. Uh, I want to say not. 90. Well, the first scheduled one since the 80s, the first doubleheader that's happened in L.A. for the Dodgers yeah. since 99. Yeah. So they lost three there. Um, the, I would not consider them a bad baseball team right now, but you name the team. I'll tell you the player. How about that? Okay. Who do you like watching on Kansas City not named Bobby Witt Jr. right now? Well, there's not much in Kansas City. That's one team 
I don't watch a lot of um, just because it's, it's really tough. Now, last year I would have said Nicky Lopez, man. I yeah. love watching that guy hit. There's something aesthetically pleasing about the singles hitter, right? Oh, he doesn't have a expected Woba, whatever. I don't right. care, man. I just like to see a single every once in a while. <laughs> Is it too much to ask for? No. Wait, listen, when you told me that you didn't watch the Royals that much, I was thinking this conversation might be over because it, we brought you on as the bad baseball guy. And here you are saying, yeah, I, I don't watch, watch that them. bad baseball team. I watch it. It's just there's not much intrigue in those players. A lot of them are, yeah. you know, the bad players are the ones, oh, could they be part of the future? The answer is just simply no. You have the top prospects, MJ M- Melendez and – Bobby Witt, and, and then you have a huge drop-off. And with all of their pitching kind of performing the way it has been, besides Daniel Lynch, who's been okay. Yeah, you're watching I mean, enough to know that. Yeah, Michael A. Taylor is fun to watch in the outfield. That's all I got yeah. for you with Kansas City. Ben Benintendi is playing himself into a good deadline deal, which has been yeah. nice. And I like um, him, but he's not exactly going to like draw my interest in terms of like, I've got to see where this guy's going because you kind of know what he is. Right, right. Uh, Kansas, or uh, not Kansas City, Oakland. Who do you like watching in Oakland? I love Oakland. I just love watching them. How about um, Seth Brown? That could be a guy who could be a decent addition. First base slash corner outfield, lefty bat off the bench for a contender. Why not, man? I, I think he had a, today he had a double. Last night he had the game winning double. Um, Sheldon Noisy, most people don't even know how to pronounce his name. They say Noisy. good. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have some now Christian Bittencourt I could do without. Um, yeah. Jed Lowry, what is wrong with that guy? He said, not only do I like watching bad baseball, I want to go back and be a part of it again and return to Oakland at 38 years old. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's dicey. <laughs> okay, Seth Brown. See, that's a great pull. That's a great pull that nobody cares about at the moment. Um. Paul Blackburn, check out Clay's work on Blackburn uh, and a whole bunch of other work that he does. He does the highlight reel a lot, uh, which just recaps, you know, every day in Major League Baseball because he mentioned he sits down and watches pretty much every Major League Baseball game every night. We're going to get to that in a moment. Just rapid fire, a couple more teams that I want to throw at you. Not name Juan Soto, who's fun to watch in Washington at the moment. Josh Bell at the moment, he'll be traded. He'll be traded. Damn, he's good. Anybody else? Kiba Ruiz, I like. Okay. He he's kind of fits that profile of next contention window, like intrigue player. So not named Reynolds or Hayes, who in Pittsburgh? Ben Gamble. That guy's <sighs> fun. How about Jake Marisnik? That dude's electric in the outfield. Um, I'm not going to say Kevin Newman. Um, no, Newman's in a rehab assignment in yeah. Indy right now. Daniel Vogelbach's a name that most people will know. Um could be traded again. That That's just kind of his deal. Yeah. How about Texas? Who are you liking now? Texas is actually pretty interesting. Um, in terms of bad players for Texas, Marcus Simeon is a good bad player to watch. <laughs> um, he's off to a horrific start. Um, I'm a big Nick Solak fan, and I don't know why yeah, I texted Colby Olsen this offseason and just said, like, I have no reason, so don't ask why, but it's Nick so like breakout season uh we're still waiting on it a lot of a <laughs> l- lot of ball left <laughs> that's ridiculous um okay and then how about cincinnati who are you liking watching at the moment tyler stevenson he is a future all-star if not all-star this season 
at catcher. I mean, yeah. he's truly that good. And I know a lot of people will probably shoot that down. Watch him play. Um, he can do anything at the plate. It, it's pretty incredible. Um, we'll see if he sticks a catcher or moves to first, but he's definitely intriguing. Brandon Drury leads the team in home runs. I mean, who, who would have seen that coming? That is a fun story. Like, guy who hasn't been very good. Was I actually okay with the Mets last year in a brief scent and wasn't even supposed to make the roster, and now he's leading the team in home runs? Dude, they, we're, we're using this as the introduction to Clay Stoughton, which is awesome because you're such a valuable member of the writing staff at Just Baseball, and we, we can actually have you on to talk about what makes you tick and why you want to write about Blackburn and those guys. Um, so I'm waiting on the Brandon Drury article. Uh, we'll, we'll get it soon, I'm sure. But you got to walk people through your Sunday setup because I, I ducked out on Sunday right after we saw the horses go. Uh, at Keeneland, which is a gorgeous track, but I knew what you were doing when you got back. Um, and you have the setup that I think everybody on planet Earth that's a baseball fan will envy on Sundays. So I have kind of struck a deal with my fiance where Sundays are kind of my thing. Like, I don't want to be bothered. Like, I have a setup in my garage because I just don't have enough room anywhere else in my house to do this, that I have a TV out there or whatever, um, a nice chair, a little table, and I just smoke cigars, have the fantasy baseball app up on the phone. Um, I'll bring a table out there so I can have my TV, my computer, and then I have an extra monitor that connects to my laptop. So I can track and watch every single baseball game and just smoke cigars from about one o'clock till five or six. Um, I, I, I usually don't answer texts really or anything during that time, just kind of shooting off some tweets and watching baseball, smoking a cigar. Uh, it's a good way to like end the week, watch the end of your fantasy matchup and yeah. then, you know, dread the Monday afterwards. Dude, I mean, you actually just described heaven to so many people. And, and I heard sitting that in you, the garage, baby, it's heaven. But the thing is, like, you got the garage door cracked a little bit. So the cigar smoke can escape, but you still get the aroma in there the whole time. And you've got every single day game on. And you've got it's like an NFL Sunday. You know what most is, people yeah. do with their NFL Sunday and like order wings and pig out and watch red zone all day and then pick like you know, the late slate game, the 430 kickoff, you do it with baseball. And that's so fun. And I think it's a pretty unique thing. Like, have you ever run into somebody that has a similar setup in terms of baseball? No. Um, and the way it got started was in the past, I, you know, I would catch other games here and there, but, um, and I would watch, you know, all the teams still, but when I started doing fantasy baseball, the way my, so I'm in the just baseball league, which is categories, right? Yeah. The other league I'm in is points. So, like, if you get a hit, that's one point. If you strike out, it's negative one. There's, like, all this stuff that happens. So, the same way that fantasy football drives people to watch football on Sundays like crazy and watch the Cardinals play, the 49ers that they aren't even a fan of either team. Yeah. Same thing with baseball. I'm sitting there, like, tuning into every at-bat of my players, every pitch by my pitchers, watching the score go up and down, wondering if I have a chance to win or lose it. Um, it's added a level that that's actually a lot of fun. And now, even if, you know, I'm losing by a hundred, I'll still watch, you know, in the same, the same way Sundays are just 
my time to just zone in on baseball and, and catch up on some bad teams. Everybody's got a unique answer to this. Like what made you fall in love with baseball? So the funny thing about my love with baseball is my parents hate baseball and I did not even play growing up. I wasn't allowed to, we had a lake house. And in the summers, my dad said, you're going to the lake. We're not, you know, sitting in a hundred degree weather to watch you strike out three times and make three errors. Like, so I didn't even play baseball growing up. I wasn't allowed to. And I just started watching in my basement with my brother Reds games on FS Ohio and D'Angelo Jimenez, like, you know, those old Reds teams that were so freaking bad. Um, Sean Casey was, was one of my first players. I fell in love with watching. Yeah, how about Adam Dunn? Yeah. Adam Dunn, Griffey, whenever he was healthy. And, mm-hmm. um, how about Brandon Clawson? There's a name. Pulled I remember that name just barely, um, but I remember that name. And now my love for baseball is just different. Like I do the highlight reel and I'll sit here when the game starts. Like last night I got home from work, sat down, started doing the highlight reel, I think around you know, five o'clock and I didn't finish until one 30 in the morning. And I'm just sitting here watching games, typing the entire time. And to most people that sounds miserable to me, it's like, I'm doing it again tonight. Cause I like, I want it. You know what I mean? Like I, I told Ethan and Ryan, uh, who, who also do the highlight realm, like, give me tonight. Like I had 18 games last night, three double headers, 18 games. And I was like, I'm back you know, grinding until 1.30 or 2 a.m. to wake up to go to my job at 8 a.m. But um, I do it night in, night out, man. I just love it. I I love baseball books, especially, too. I read a a bunch of baseball books. I just can't get away from the game. Yeah, I'm I'm so curious because, like, do you ever feel the need to disconnect from this sport? Because from from our conversations over the last, you know, year or so, ever since you joined Just Baseball, like, it really sounds like you never feel the need to disconnect from the game. You just love it purely. Yeah. I, uh, my fiance would love for me to, to start <laughs> disconnecting from the game yeah. a little, a little bit, but no, I really do. I mean, I'll stay up even if I'm not right, right in the highlight reel and watch every West coast game in its entirety. Uh, I just love baseball and I, I play the show, which I'm also not very good at, but that's fine. I do play the show. I, I just, and then, you know, my free time in the off season, I'm reading baseball books and uh, it's just one of those things that for whatever reason, I, and I love sports. Like I watch hockey, basketball, yeah, you're a Celtics fan. You go. Yeah. Uh, I thought we weren't going to get into that, but <laughs> yeah, I watch these other sports, but I cannot turn on a random Penguins Panthers hockey game on a Thursday night. I'm yeah. just not going to do that. But with baseball, it's like, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I'm just so drawn to it. Um, and I don't burn out on it either. Like every single year, even before I was writing or, you know, doing anything in terms of like content creation, I, uh, I just watch baseball, man. It's pretty simple, man. Just baseball. We grabbed the best of them. Um, and if you ever have any reds questions, if you ever have any bad baseball questions, clay underscore snow, recently clay underscore reds but has since changed his yeah he's getting too big for one team well i i want to make a comment about that i um i was clay underscore reds because when i started writing for locked on i made my own twitter account and i wanted it to be be separate from my previous account um and i don't know why of course i just wanted (laughs) yeah no 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 there's no and um i remember you all published a oakland athletics article and it's like 
something about why the Oakland Athletics are overachieving by Clay Reds. And I was like, that looks so incredibly stupid. <laughs> and just like, if I'm like an A's fan, I see that I'm like, why would I read Clay Reds? <laughs> so I fi- I fiddled with it and nothing was available. Like Clay Snow, not even spelled correctly, is like the closest thing that I could get. There's so many Clays out there on Twitter, I, I guess. Um yeah. But yeah, the new at, uh, it's nice because no one can search my Twitter anymore um, unless yeah. you know Clay Reds. You can search that and yep. go find a Paul Yanish highlight of him hitting the RBI single, which I tweet out often. That was hilarious. I mean, what it was it was at the tail end of the lockout, right? When you were just like, name a player and I'll tweet out a I highlight. I started, I was in a hotel for work on a Wednesday and just put out a Paul Yanish RBI single. Just here's some you know a little wednesday paul Yanish for you yeah someone's like hey man like how about you know juan mateo whatever scratching their neck like hey you got any more of that so i just tweeted like hey name a former red and i'll drop a video just because i had two or three hours to burn and it had like 350 people reply with like every single red you can ever imagine and it took me probably like three weeks of just doing it whenever i had a couple hours Cause I really love doing it. Just like searching. And then you hear a name you've never heard before. And you're like digging through baseball. So I was going like names. I did not know are really hard ones. I would go to baseball um, ref.com and just type in their name, go to game logs, find a home run and just search for that game. Go to that inning, pull that. Like, Oh my uh, God. It was so much fun though. I mean, it was crazy. (laughs) You're a man of the people. Again, clay underscore snow. He is an awesome piece of the writing team and the just baseball team in general. Uh, And now you hear from Ryan Miller on the MLB mock draft with Peter. MLB mock draft time. We welcome on Ryan Miller, host of the boys of spring podcast, as well as one of the guys on our new state of the division podcast, a podcast, six days a week, 15 minutes breakdown of each division but ryan we're talking college baseball today you wrote a great mock draft 2.0 you did the 1.0 version now we're talking 2.0 so i want to ask you about those changes and dive into some of the best players in college baseball as well as in the high school ranks so how you doing my man pretty good pretty good just you know going over some draft stuff daily Um, i'm an associate scout now for the guardian so i'm doing a lot of that stuff trying to keep up on all the news but yeah this is going to be a fun class it's got to be awesome to kind of work with the Guardians because of what they've been able to do with their pitching. But before we get into it, just talk about your experience quickly with the Guardians because Associate Scout is awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to be working up on Cape Cod this summer for the Orleans Firebirds. And part of that is just watching the game, every game, every game on the schedule. So the Guardians came to me with an opportunity to kind of be another set of eyes for them. It's called being an Associate Scout. It's not a full-time position or anything. I'm just kind of giving them another look. I'll write some reports for them. And then before I head up to the Cape, I'm hanging out in New Jersey where I'm from, just driving around and seeing some different guys for them. He's being humble. He's a young guy who's getting a start (laughs) in baseball and is already off to a great start and is already a big-time writer for us. And you're hanging out with the Guardians at um, 21, 22 years old. So, Ryan, let's start at the bottom of the draft and work our way up. We're not going to go through every single pick, but I kind of want to unpack some of the big players in this draft. And that starts 
with Kumar Rocker going to the Colorado Rockies with the 38th pick. So this is a guy who's drafted within the top 10, actually 10th overall to the New York Mets, but ultimately didn't sign. He's a guy with Vanderbilt, big-time right-handed pitcher, great fastball, great slider, and two average secondaries. Talk to me about Kumar Rocker because he could be a guy who balls out in independent league and maybe goes much higher, maybe goes near the top 10. Or we could see him bouncing out of the first, second, even third round. Why do you have him going 38th to the Rockies? So Kumar Rocker is a guy who we're going to be talking about as a baseball community for years to come. He looked like the consensus first overall pick a couple years back, kind of dropped from that, got picked 10 to the Mets, didn't sign due to some injury concerns. And 38 is kind of just a range that he could be in. I think he'll probably be towards the back end of the first round or in this comp area. And the reason why I mocked him to the Rockies is because they drafted him out of high school and they have three first round picks within this range. So they can kind of afford to take a little bit of a risk on him. And he's a very interesting prospect because now he's going to go to the independent league and see what he has there. The main thing is health. We know how dominant he can be on the mound, but if he looks healthy and he's dominant, then he could go in the middle of the first round. I don't know if he works his way into the top 10. So you you mocked this beautifully because you're, you're kind of guessing where each team, what matters for each team, where they kind of match up within the draft. But Ryan Miller, if you're the GM, like you're the GM, I'm giving you full draft reigns. Are you, do you feel good enough about Kumar Rocker to take him in the first round if that's your only pick? That's that's a tough one just because we haven't seen him pitch in so long. Maybe if he's very good for this independent league team, possibly. But right now, I'd probably rather go with one of the college pitchers towards the back end of the first round, if that's where I'm picking, that has gotten Tommy John surgery because we know how successful Tommy John surgery has been. So I'd probably rather go with one of those guys who've been on the mound and did get hurt this year, but but might be very good down the line. So moving forward to the 35th pick, a guy who did get Tommy John surgery, but is one of the best pitchers in college baseball, in my opinion. And if he was healthy, I think he'd be the first pitcher taken in this draft. That's Peyton Paulette out of Arkansas. But you have him going 35. There's obvious injury concerns. Do you agree with me that if healthy, Peyton Paulette would be the best pitcher in this draft? I think college-wise, he would be the first pitcher off the board if he was healthy and had a full season. Obviously, we don't know how he would have performed, but this guy is a high 90s fastball and a very high spin curveball that both are plus weapons for him. And just the dominance that he showed throughout his entire time in college has been unreal. And the reason why he's so far back in this mock is just because of the injury concerns, some unknowns there about how he's going to come back. But definitely a great pitcher. And with the Royals, who I mocked him to, going very college pitcher heavy in the past, he could be a steal for them. Uh, if I'm a GM, he's the guy I'm targeting because we've said it ourselves and we've said it on the Just Baseball show. You guys have said it on Boys of Spring. We've said it on basically every podcast that we have on the Just Baseball Network. The Tommy John surgery, it seems to be inevitable at this point, right? In my yeah. opinion, I got a young guy. I know he's good already, and he's going to come in to my team with my medical staff. I'm a big fan of Peyton Plett. I would be grabbing him if I was if I was the GM. But let's move into the first round because a lot of those are compensation picks. And let's start at the end 
first, this guy is just interesting. He's been setting records and he's just a fun dude because he's a two-way guy. But will he be a two-way guy moving forward? That's Zach Nito with the 30th overall pick to the San Francisco Giants. He's just so exciting. We don't have to touch on him a ton, but just kind of give me the Zach Nito experience so far because he's he's phenomenal. His stats look like a video game. I mean, th- this guy could hit above 400 this year. He's very, very good with the bat. With that said, I think the only reason why he's really pitching is just due to Campbell being a smaller school and he's, you know, probably the best player on that team. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. And hey, if a team wants to go after him and maybe try out that two way, I think he'll end up uh, being a hitter full time. But it could definitely be an experiment for somebody. Let's move to the 26th pick. Um, who's much more of a sure thing, in my opinion, in Connor Jerpy out of Oregon State. He's one of my favorite college pitchers right now. Outside of Peyton Pled, I'd say he's my favorite college pitcher in this draft. But you have him going a little bit later than I might have assumed. Why is he at the bottom of the first round to the White Sox? So it's actually crazy. I really wanted to move him up, but I was just kind of looking at where all the rankings are on him, where all the different draft outlets have him. And many don't even have him in the first round, which is crazy to me. Same. He, he is a very good pitcher, and I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago that he could be the fastest to the major leagues here. And we know what the White Sox have done with college pitching. Uh, Garrett Crochet is a perfect example. Obviously, he doesn't throw as hard as him, but this guy is almost a surefire starter at the next level. He's got great pitchability. He's very good at commanding all of his pitches, and his fastball can get up to the mid-90s as well. He's a six foot three, 200 pound sophomore who has only produced great results. And I think he doesn't jump off the page because he's not 97. He's like 92 to 94 on a good day. He's not yeah. high below, but he's got great command. His changeup, you even run the article, works really well off his fastball, along with that mid 80s breakout slider. I think. To your point, he will be the most big league ready pitcher. I think he could be on the White Sox by the time we're talking in 2023. And with how hard it is to find a big league ready starter like that, I'm just surprised that he hasn't been shown in a lot of first rounds and he's at the end of the first round in this mock. Yeah, he's a guy who probably has the most helium in this draft for me. If we get to draft time, I wouldn't be surprised if he's sitting in maybe the 10 to 15 range. Fantastic. So we have two back-to-back relievers right after. Well, they're not relievers. They could be starters. That's what I want to ask you about. The Yankees taking right-handed pitcher Blake Tidwell out of Tennessee, the 6'4", 200-pound right-hander, as well as the Red Sox at pick 24, taking Landon Sims out of Mississippi State, 6'2", 227 junior. Why do you like these guys so much? And do you think that Sims is a reliever? Do you think Tidwell is a reliever? Give me your kind of gauge on these two guys. So I'll start with Sims. He was a reliever at Mississippi State before this year. He got turned into a starter before the year, and he looked really good in that role before he got hurt. He went down with Tommy John surgery, but I think either way could work for him. If a team wants to fast track him to the majors as a reliever, then that could work. We know how good his fastball and breaking ball are, but maybe he could be a starter if he keeps developing that changeup and he gets a third pitch. He might take a little bit longer in the minors, but I, I, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. He could be a starter down the line. And with Tidwell, Tidwell as well. Yeah, yeah. Tidwell, you can you can really say kind of the same thing because these two pitchers are very similar with their their body types and, and their pitch repertoire. Tidwell has started for longer 
but he he's a guy who could turn into a reliever down the line just because of his stuff, obviously. But there's definitely a route for him as a starter. Fantastic. And that those two guys are going to the Yankees and the Red Sox back to back. So we talked about a couple of guys at the end. And as we go towards the middle, there's a lot of solid offerings, but I really want to fast track our way into the top 10. But before we get into the top 10, I want to talk about Chase DeLauder because he is an outfielder out of James Madison, who was projected at least earlier in the season to possibly be the number one overall pick. You know, coming out of James Madison, not a lot of looks on him, but he dominated every circuit that he's been in against high level type pitching six foot five 235 pound left-handed sweet swing has been compared to guys like Kyle Tucker wouldn't go that far but has been compared to guys like Kyle Tucker so but you have him going 17th to the Phillies why the drop on Chase DeLauder so coming in to mock draft 1.0 I mocked him number four to the Pirates and the reason why I did that was I didn't know if it was really possible for him to go one, but the reason why some people thought that he would go first overall is because of the Orioles track record with taking underslot outfielders early. So he kind of seemed like the perfect fit for that. But then when the season started, he had a lot of struggles early. He really turned it on until he broke his foot. So he's, he's out for a while. I'm not sure if he's going to come back this season. He hasn't played, but this could be one of the biggest steals of the draft if he turns out to be a very good player. He did great things for Orleans on the Cape Cod in the Cape Cod League, and obviously his stats with James Madison have been unreal. So, like I said, if he turns out to be what people think he will be, and that could be a plus power guy, it could be a very big steal. Are you worried about a foot injury with a 6'5", 235-pound outfielder? Not really, but when you come into the draft, it's kind of all about risk. And I don't know how much teams will value his foot injury as risk, but we've seen guys in, in the pitching side drop because of injuries, and he, he might be one of the hitters that does as well. So at number 12, right-handed pitcher Brock Porter out of St. Mary's Prep is going to the Tigers in this mock. He's an 18-year-old. He's committed to Clemson. He's a six foot three, 190-pound right-handed pitcher. I claimed that he is my favorite pitcher in the draft out of the high school ranks right outside of Dylan Lesko, but Dylan Lesko has that arm injury now. So my thinking is Brock Porter might be the best prep arm in this class. Are you willing to go that far or do you still like Lesko over uh, Brock Porter? Because in your mock, you have Dylan Lesko going eighth overall to the, to the Minnesota twins. So Either you're higher on Lesko, the entire community is higher on Lesko, or what's the case here? So I've said this since the beginning, Porter is kind of like a Dylan Lesko light. He has similar stuff. He has a very good changeup. Lesko has a very good changeup. And with how good Lesko has been in the prep ranks, I don't know how much Tommy John surgery drops his stock because before he, he had that injury, People thought he would be the best pitcher in the draft, and I still think he gets picked there, but I think that the gap between Porter and Lesko is definitely closing. You think it's definitely closing? Like, Would you be surprised if Brock Porter goes within the top 10? Because you have Gavin Cross, the outfielder, going 9 to the Royals. You have Jacob Berry going 10th to the Rockies. Are they – and then you have Jordan Beck going 11th to the Mets. Those are all hitters there. Do you find that those teams you think will go hitting heavy early, or does that just have the mock – slotted out that maybe you just think those players mesh well in those systems 
I think we're going to finally figure it out on draft day because if Lesko gets picked up, let's say in that six to nine range, then there's there's a massive drop off with quality of pitching. So you could see Porter get picked up right after that, a team just grabbing their guy. And one of the biggest risers in this whole thing has been Jackson Holiday, the son of Matt Holiday, the shortstop out of Stillwater in Oklahoma. He is committed to Oklahoma State right now. He's a five foot eleven, 176 pound, speedy shortstop. He's not the big burly man like his dad is, but he's uh, he could be a more well-rounded type player with the glove, with the speed. Why are people so enamored with Jackson Holiday at the moment? So with Holiday, I think that he is the best prep shortstop in this class, not named Tamar Johnson, but Tamar Johnson is probably going to end up being a second baseman at the next level. So Holiday wasn't even ranked in my first mock, and that's because the entire industry wasn't too high on him. But then scouts started laying eyes on him. Guys started writing stories on him, and he's he's shot up draft boards. And Holiday's definitely a guy who could go first overall. If the Orioles take another underslot route in this draft he's a guy who has a ton of upside and could even work out at that one one spot but could cost the Orioles a little bit less money interesting because the top five is legit at number five you have Kevin Prada out of Georgia Tech the catcher and I just want to talk about him for a second because not only is he a stud but in every mock draft I see Kevin Prada at five to the Nationals why is that such a popular pick because the one through four talent is so good that I don't think any of the guys who are mocked one through four will drop out of that. And he's just that that best player. Some may say he's in the second tier. I think he could work into that first tier of elite talent in this draft. He has a great bat. He's been very good this year. And just because it says catcher doesn't mean that he will at the next level. I think he eventually moves off of the position, maybe left field, maybe first base, but his bat's going to carry him throughout his career. So you think the bat is that good that regardless, he should be a top five pick? Because think about it, the catching position, if you're getting that value at catcher, that maybe is what bumps their value. But you're saying regardless of wherever he plays, the bat is top five. Yeah, correct. And with these two teams at five and six, the Nationals and the Marlins, they kind of need a safe hitter. And he is the safest hitter in the college ranks in this draft. And maybe the second safest hitter is Chase Young out of Texas Tech he's going to the Marlins at number six but let's break into the top four because it's freaking loaded like you said Pirates are taking Elijah Green out of IMG Academy the six foot three 215 pound monster who's committed to Miami he's the son of a former NFL tight end and he's just got he's the biggest boomer bust prospect in the draft for in my opinion he could be one of the next great power hitters or he could strike out so much that he never even makes the majors where are you at on Elijah Green The Pirates can afford to take the risk here. They've mightily improved their farm system over these past couple of years. But with Green, as you said, he could be a superstar or he couldn't even crack the majors. And many people thought that he would go first overall a couple years ago coming into it because of the things that he was doing and how big he was. And now at IMG Academy, they play elite talent. He has been showing out. He's very good with the glove. Many people think that his power is maybe the best in the draft, and he's very quick. So this guy is tooled up. He has the tools to be a superstar at the next level. And if the Pirates don't go with him, if the draft shakes out like I projected, they could even go with with Kevin Parada. Now I'm going. Now I'm talking to Ryan Miller, the man. 
Ryan Miller, do you think that Elijah Green is closer to being a superstar or closer to not making the majors? Superstar for sure. He wow. he has all the tools able to to be able to do that for sure. What about Tamar Johnson at number three to the Rangers? Because I have heard that this is a generational type bat, but it's a generational type bat coming from a 5'8", probably second baseman who weighs about 194 pounds. He doesn't even have a commitment right now. Actually, he does. So the other day he committed to Arizona State. I wasn't sure if he was going to commit or not just because of his draft stock. But yeah, I mean, at 5'8", if you're that good of a hitter, I don't really care how tall you are. And I think a lot of teams and scouts are realizing that. And he's another guy who could go 1-1. There's no surefire 1-1 pick in this draft, like previous drafts with Adley Rushman and Spencer Torkelson. So a lot of these guys are definitely possibilities, but he could be the best pure hitter in this draft. Why do people not like him as much? Because I've seen him drop to sometimes seven. I've seen him drop to nine in some mock drafts. You're really high on him. I'm really high on him. Why are some other people not as high on him? I think it's the height and the and the position concerns. Not really concerns. I think he'll be a fine defender at second base, but he's not going to play that premium position like shortstop or center field. So I think some teams maybe shy away from that a little bit, but I definitely think he's a great player and maybe the best player in this draft when it's all said and done. I agree. I'm grabbing the bat. And someone who's going number two, and maybe I'm alone on this island here, that's Drew Jones going to the Arizona Diamondbacks out of Wesleyan, Georgia, the son of Andrew Jones, committed to Vanderbilt. He's a six foot four, skinny, but not that skinny because he hits nukes, but he's 180 pounds. He's got a big combo speed. He's a great defender already. I'm a little bit out on him. I don't know how the bat's going to translate. I think he's going to be a great defender, but I think I am enamored with a couple different guys rather than Drew Jones. And I personally wouldn't take him at two. He's at two for you. First, before you say, would you take him at two? Why is Arizona such a great fit for him? They've gone prep with a lot of different bats like Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas. Those are two names that really pop out to me. But with Jones, it's interesting because he made a lot of swing changes recently. Before this year, his swing just didn't look good. It didn't look smooth. It didn't look like he was getting his hands to the ball as quick as he can. But now scouts are saying that he, he has elite bat ball skills and his floor is an elite defender in center field with some great speed. So I think teams looking at that, if a team like the Diamondbacks really believe in the bat, he could go this early, but he's a guy for me who may drop down draft boards. Do you love the bat? I'm not as sold on the bat as some people. I think I'd go with with Elijah Green over him at this point, just because of how tooled up he is and probably Tamar as well. But just because of how highly everybody's talking about him, that's why I mocked him number two. I think you're totally spot on here. I would take Tamar Johnson. I would even consider Dylan Lesko. Like I'd consider some definitely other guys, maybe one of these college bats who I know is going to rake, like Jacob Berry, Gavin Cross. I know they're going to rake. Drew Jones, and maybe this take isn't going to come back to bite me when Drew Jones is the greatest center fielder in the history of baseball. And maybe it will. <laughs> but in my opinion, I am a little bit hesitant to jump all aboard the Drew Jones train. With that said, I am totally willing to jump on your number one pick, Brooks Lee, the shortstop out of Cal Poly, going to the Baltimore Orioles, the six foot two, 205 pound kid who didn't want to go to the MLB draft and instead he wanted to stay at his 
hometown with his dad, who's now the head coach at Cal Poly Slow. And me personally, I want to just talk about him for a second because I watched a full series of him. I've been following Brooks Lee. Brooks Lee was on one of my friend's travel ball teams at 12, 13 years old. I've heard the name Brooks Lee now for eight, nine years, and I am a full believer. This guy could set a doubles record in baseball in the major leagues. He already did that at Cal Poly. He is a line drive gap to gap player. I think he's going to stick at shortstop. I think this is a super, super high floor guy that can make all-star games in baseball. I'm so high on Brooks Lee and you're really high on him too, because not a lot of mock drafts have him going one. I mean, I think ours is the only mock draft right now that has Brooks Lee going number one. So you must be on the same side as me as loving him. Or do you just think it makes way more sense for Baltimore? I love him. And I think he makes a ton of sense for Baltimore and definitely a great player. Obviously, as you said, he, he's been raking his entire life. He may end up at third entire base. Life. <laughs> like yeah, entire, entire life. life. He could end up at third base or he could stick at shortstop. I think he'll probably end up sticking at shortstop, but what's not to like? He's quick. He's 6'2". He's a switch hitter. And obviously that bat is crazy. And I think if he was at a big school, like a, like a top 10 AP poll school, he would be the surefire first round pick. Great. Not a lot of people are saying him. And I get why he's playing at Cal Poly with his dad and where he's from and where he's comfortable with playing. He was the best hitter on Team USA. He yep. raked on the Cape. Yep. He's raked every single year in college baseball. And if he was at, let's say, I, I don't know, Tennessee or LSU or Old Miss or something, I think he would be on everybody's radar as the 1-1 pick. But yeah, as you said, he's, he's just a great player. And I think down the line, my bold prediction is he's – he will turn out to be the best player in this draft. I'm totally with you. His biggest weakness, he plays at Cal Poly slow. That's the weakness exactly. because there is yeah. no weakness. You say he might move over to third. Why do you say that? Because he does have a little bit of heavy feet, but I think he's got a great arm and he can, he's picks it so smoothly. The glove is so sound, but I know what you're saying. Could he stick at a major league shortstop? That's the question. Right. And if he doesn't, that's fine. Cause he's going to be a great third baseman. His range is is all right but if it doesn't really work out as you said he kind of has heavy feet he could move over to third and as you said the strong arm that will carry him I think he could win gold gloves down the line think about this I think his bat resembles a prime Alex Bregman as a switch hitter thoughts on yeah like it like it definitely and with the Orioles I think it's the perfect pick because like, like I said earlier they've went under slot in the past couple of years very early on and even if they get him for cheaper he could be the best player in this draft still agreed so you guys have to go check out ryan miller's mock draft 2.0 now available on just baseball.com 3.0 is coming out soon when do you think we can expect 3.0 i'm thinking 3.0 is going to be a couple weeks before the actual draft so probably early july end of june and let, let the people know exactly the draft dates. Do you have it on them? Because I know it's it's towards the end of June, but I don't want to be incorrect. I believe it is the 17th through the 19th. Let me check real quick. On MLB Network. I love watching the MLB draft. The MLB draft needs more love because it's so much fun. I know you don't get to see the players for a couple of years, and that's what takes a lot of the allure out of it. But I'm there. I'm watching it because I want to see what the future of baseball looks like. And that's what Ryan Miller's writing up on JustBaseball.com. Definitely check it out. Check out our friends at Loop doing box breaks every single second on loop 
It's an awesome app. Ryan Miller and I, we've been in there breaking cards. I broke one last night, got a Bowman blaster. That is in our episode description as well. Join our baseball group chat on chalkboard. Yes, on chalkboard, not discord because chalkboard is freaking better than discord. And it is in our episode description as well. We're talking baseball all for free. And that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. We will see you on Friday. And with that, thank you, everybody.